Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. We've officially turned the page to summer. Still the offseason, of course, for the Buffalo Bills, but never a shortage of content and things to talk about. Welcome back to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio with you and... My co-host, Matt Bove, returns again from WKBW-TV in Buffalo Channel 7. Matt, it's good to talk to you again. We've missed you the last couple episodes. We've had a couple of really excellent guests fill in, including Matt Perino, John Scott, Thad Brown, and we're going to hear from Jenna Cottrell as well this episode. But in the meantime, it's good to hear from you. I've been telling people that you've been away because you obviously are on paternity leave and you are a new father, but I know you've had some other things going on that... Yeah, you'd like to share a little bit. Yeah, my paternity leave turned into a paternity leave thinking about my dad and not me being a dad. But the good news is that he is finally making some steps in the right direction. So a couple weeks ago, my dad went to the hospital with we did not know what it was. It turns out that it was a very bad staph infection. The staph infection then spread all over his body. It spread to his kidneys. It spread to his heart. His organs were starting to fail. He got pneumonia. He was super dehydrated. He was in septic shock. Like it was really, really bad. Since then, it's been a couple weeks. He's still in the hospital. I feel like he's finally taking steps in the right direction. Felt like it was time to come back to the podcast. He's been telling me for like the last week, hey, go do normal things. Do the podcast. Do things that you normally do just to try and take your mind off of it. He had a really big procedure earlier in the week. It went well. We've still got a long road to go, but shout out to the staff at Niagara Falls Memorial. And then he got a, he was transferred to Gates in Buffalo. They've done an awesome job keeping him healthy, keeping him trending in the right direction. That's all we can ask for. So not necessarily the paternity leave that I had planned, but watching him get healthier and get better is all that I could ask for. It's what I want more than anything in the world. So it's good to see that continuous progress. And uh, to those of you who have known, you know, I've kind of just kept it close to family and friends. I appreciate the support. Appreciate everybody reaching out. Appreciate you for setting up podcasts with different guests like Jenna, who's coming up and Thad and Matt and John. So thank you to everybody. I appreciate it. And uh, keep the vibes and well wishes coming if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. We'll do that. Really great news to hear about your dad making progress, and we're going to think about him a lot and hope that that progress continues to be made uh, along the way. And I'm glad to hear all that for sure. 
Glad to know that you know you're back here, ready to rock and roll. You're in good spirits. It's good to know that because we're going to have a special guest here, Jenna Cottrell, who's going to join us from 13 Wham in Rochester. She joins us right now here on the stream. You can see it on video, of course. And if you haven't been going to the videos, well, you can do that on the YouTube page at Sal Sports. But of course, always audio-wise, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app. That's where you can find it's always game day in Buffalo. Jenna, welcome okay. in. Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me on, Matt. Super excited to hear about your family and everything trending in the right direction. You obviously know everyone in Rochester thinking about you as well, but I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy you're here as well. And Sal, happy to join you too. You guys yeah, want to know, you, you want to know how good of a friend Jenna is? Jenna and Dan and Catalana actually Venmoed me money for coffees because I've lived oh. in the waiting rooms of hospitals and I have made a lot of trips to get coffee and, you know, they did that. I thought that was really, really nice. So you guys are awesome. Thank you for joining us today. And also, Sal, shout out to you for somehow transitioning from me talking about something <laughs> incredibly heavy to being like, you know, this is, you know, we're so happy he's doing better. Here comes Jenna. You did that very professionally because I don't know how I would have done it. So I'm happy that you're the pro here and you were able to do it. I, I guess it's a radio thing, right? You yeah. have to be able to transition all the time from all the different topics that you're balancing. Like I'm going to do right now and tell you guys, it is not a coincidence that here we sit on June 29th and I am wearing a Yankees cap the day after Domingo Herman threw a perfect game. Let's go. Yeah, I mean... I saw your thing that you posted earlier today on Twitter about uh -huh. if you were at a game and it's the other team, you absolutely root for the perfect game or for the no hitter. Yeah. I'm a Red Sox fan. If I was at a Red Sox Yankees game and I couldn't care if it was one, nothing. And there was somebody on the Yankees going for a perfect game. I am going to remember being there for the perfect game. A hell of a lot more that I would remember a two to one win. I, I don't even know how it would be. You could argue the other side. I don't get that. What do you think, Jenna? Like if you're if the question I asked on Twitter today was if you go to see your favorite baseball team and the opposing team is throwing a perfect game, what's your reaction? Are you rooting for it? Are you happy for it? Are you mad? How, how do you react? I think as it's unfolding, you're like, all right, maybe they're still in it. And then at a certain point, you're absolutely rooting for that to happen. Like like Matt said, I mean, it's so memorable to be at one of those and that experience. And I feel like the whole crowd, I would imagine, I would hope would be behind them just in terms of the love of sports and like what that means in sports lore. Yeah. It's obviously, sure. it's obviously not a perfect game, but I went to San Francisco like six or seven years ago with my now wife, then girlfriend. And we went to whatever it's called. I think it's like AT&T park or something. And somebody told us, Hey, buy the cheapest seats that you can get. It's an awesome view. You look out at the Harbor or the Bay or whatever the hell they call it. And you just sit there and enjoy it. And we went in thinking like, okay, we're going to stay for like four or five innings just to experience it. And then we're going to go explore the city. Well, Madison Bumgardner took a no hitter into the eighth. So we had to continue to like sit there and watch. And I'm like, holy crap. Like what if yeah. we went and bought like $20 <laughs> tickets to see a no hitter. And then Paul Goldschmidt for the then Arizona D backs kind of ruined it. And then we left right after that. But yeah, and you're no, like, I, I wish we would have seen it. It would have been totally historic. 24 of them ever in major league history. Crazy. Yeah. And, and I went to that game and I remember like who was pitching and who broke it up. So imagine if it actually happened or if you actually got to see a perfect game. Also my allegiance to the Reds, socks is like i don't know my i don't even know a good comparison i really don't care that much so, <laughs> so it's hard to like put it into perspective oh for sure there's lots of yankees fans listening going wait a minute no dude i would not do that if it was against the red Sox. like you got to have some sort it, 
the, the level of the opponent and who they're playing would matter. Like I would not, I would go to the very last pitch, Jenna, if it's Yankees, Red Sox, hoping the Yankees broke it up. But if they didn't, I would give the golf clap for the Red Sox and the, the, the Derek Jeter respect cap tip yeah. to whoever did it. I agree. And it depends like where you're at in the season too. If you're early on. Okay. Uh-huh. If you're later on, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, one other thing on this. So, so I'm filling in on the morning show on Thursday and Friday this week on WGR. So I have to get up very early. 5.30 is what I'm getting up to do the show from Studio Capaccio here and not going in, but that's still early. Had to make sure that I got a good night's sleep. I did not see the perfect game and didn't know literally until I woke up. I had no idea that her, Domingo Herman. I'm a massive Yankees fan. I watch every game. It's on in the house. I fell asleep to the game, turned it off when I woke up, woke up and said, what do you mean they threw a perfect game? I missed it. I feel like a horrible fan, first of all, although I had to get a good night's sleep for the morning show. But I'm wondering from you guys, has what like what are you mad about missing that maybe you had a chance to, you could have gone to, you could have seen something like that in your sports, either personal life or professional life? Have you missed something that you wish you would have been there for, that you could have been there for or watching? That's a good question. Jenna, I have an answer, but you want to go first? I have a I have a quick story about yeah. Um, yeah. So when I was a senior in high school, I was deciding between colleges, and I was between UConn and Syracuse. And my brother went to UConn, so I was like, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't even about the new house school at Syracuse. I had no idea I wanted to do this job, so I was like, all right, let's just. I literally said to my dad, whoever Syracuse and UConn were playing in basketball that night, and I was like, whoever wins this game, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to go to that school again. Definitely the decision-making of a 17-year-old. So I'm watching the game. It turns out to be that five-overtime game. I fall asleep six, on the couch. Actually. Six, yeah, six-overtime right. game. I fall asleep on the couch. I wake up the next morning, and my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, like, who won that game? He's like, oh, it's Syracuse. And I was like, hmm, all right, I'm going to Syracuse. Like, it was like I couldn't amazing. even stay up. That was the game that was going to decide where I went to school, and I fell asleep. But it, I went to Cuse. I ended up doing the Newhouse program, broadcast journalism. I'm like, man, that was a big game for Syracuse to win. I didn't know. So, so we can credit Paul Harris and Johnny Flynn for you being a part of our <laughs> yeah. media community because you went to Syracuse because of that win. Yeah. Again, totally decision-making of a 17-year-old. But, hey, it worked out. Paul Harris and Johnny Flynn of Niagara Falls High School, That's which right. is like 10 minutes from where I'm recording this right now. Have I ever shared my UConn? Do you guys know my UConn story? This is completely mm-hmm. off of a tangent. Do you know my UConn uh, story? Is it, no. You mean this game, this particular UConn-Syracuse game? <laughs> no, this is great. I have, was, a, I have a good story about that, but I want to hear this one. No, this is embarrassing, but I'll share it anyway. So I had not really an idea of what I wanted to do coming out of high school. I knew I wanted to do something in sports. I wanted to do something in sports media. I knew Syracuse was like a bajillion dollars, and the plan was eventually to go to Syracuse, but I was going to go to Buff State at the start. So I went to Buff State for two years, but Buff State offers this thing where you can transfer to like other state schools and do like a year there and then you can ultimately like decide if you want to finish so I enrolled at UConn after my sophomore year and I had a schedule I had housing arrangements I had everything ready to go to transfer to UConn and I went there on a trip with my mom my dad and my sister and we went to the visitor center and I had like a full-on panic attack because I was like I am not ready to like leave home and be an adult I was like I was like, I cannot do, I remember like standing in the visitor center with like a 
Kemba Walker cutout next to me and just like them talking like this is a great university full of students who score this on SATs and this on ACTs and academics are first and yada, yada, yada. And I'm looking around and I'm like, yo, this is not for me. This sucks. So then I actually remember that night we went to like a restaurant and it was day three of the NFL draft and we were watching it and the bills took TJ Graham instead of Russell Wilson. Remember that you guys remember that? So I remember like sitting there talking to my dad and being like, Holy crap. Like Russell Wilson is still available. That's kind of wild. And then the bills drafted TJ Graham. So that is what I remember about UConn is (laughs) that. So then that next year, my buddies and I used to do this thing like Secret Santa, but where we'd get each other like mean gifts instead of nice gifts. And all of my friends that year got me like Yukon t-shirts, Yukon hoodies, <laughs> like Yukon merch, just because, you know, I wasn't ready to leave home. Wow. That's yeah. unreal. You didn't go like, Huskies. I mean, what about you didn't go to the dairy bar? That's the ice cream place over there. No. It's you no. would have probably fell in love and said like, no, I'm staying here. Well, both of you, you know, those schools, that school's loss. UConn's loss is our gain. And I went to Syracuse, as you did, Jenna, so we can't root for UConn, right? It was just the <laughs> no. nature of the beast. By the way, I'll tell you, that Big East tournament, I was living in Florida, and I was actually doing a little bit of radio part-time when I was still teaching, and I was covering the USF Bulls. And I got a press credential to go up to the Big East tournament. I'd never been there. And I said, I need to go to the Big East tournament. All right, well, I'll get a press credential to go watch the USF Bulls. I didn't know how they did it. I didn't know that if you get a credential, you can only go watch those specific games and that team. So I didn't have a ticket or a credential for the Syracuse-UConn game. But I'm like, oh, I need to go in to watch Syracuse play UConn tonight. I got to find a way. So I'm not kidding. What I did was a friend of mine said, hey, if, if you show up, like you can have my seat. I'm not going to be here for that game. I'm covering this other team. So I said, I got to find a way in this, into the arena. So we go to MSG. I go to MSG. I go there. I have my credential, but it's a different color. It's not for that session. And I'm like, how am I going to get it? It's a true story. I'm standing next to the Syracuse band. Shut the up. Band, the band starts to walk in. And the, the security guard goes to the rope line, unhooks the rope line, and turns his back. And I walked in with the band. Oh, my God. And I knew exactly where to go because I'd been there already on a, on press row for other games. And I just basically went with my credential. Once you're in there, you have a credential. No one's going to really question that part of it. And I just went, went and sat right there. And I was on press row for that game the entire night. Oh, that's insane. Wow. Also, you heads up play. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. And, you know, now nobody can get me in trouble, I don't think, because it's been, you know, how many years later? <laughs> yeah. A long time. The statute of limitations is passed on that one. <laughs> that's like, uh, that's like you ever hear the thing that you can get into anywhere with a ladder? It's like you just bring a ladder into somewhere. So, you know, if you don't know if you're like trying to get in to sneak into somewhere, just bring a ladder and it looks like you're working. We're probably giving off secrets we shouldn't hear on. It's always game day in Buffalo, but great. Great first segment. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, shall we? Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world, screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. 
players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sal Capaccio, WGR, Matt Bove, Channel 7 WKBW TV in Buffalo, and Jenna Cottrell, 13 Wham in Rochester. You can find her on Buffalo Plus as well. All right, so there has been a wide range of Bills, if they're either if they've taken a step back, how much that step has been back, where their window is. I saw something from ESPN today ranking them the third best roster, but then I saw Bill Barnwell have them at 20th overall with supporting cast. So, Jenna, where do you fall on where the Bills were last year and where they've been the last couple of years to where they are now, what the window might be, and if it's closing or not? I mean, I think you have Josh Allen, your window is open. I mean, I think that's how it works, just the talent that he is. But I totally understand why there is that fluctuation between three and 20, because I feel like it depends on how you rate these players right now. You look at Stefan Diggs, what he has been, obviously the player he is. Um, the way last season ended, there's an air and there's a cloud of uh, uncertainty, I feel like, with what will transpire in terms of on the field and how that will look, how that chemistry, how that bond will be. Then you have Gabe Davis, another player who, you know, didn't perform the level he wanted to last season. Will he have a bounce back year? Will he have a breakout season? And I think when you look, you know, Sean McDermott taking over the defense, there are a lot of question marks. I think the Bills have done a good job of addressing the concerns going into the season, but at the same point, I, I understand why some fans as well feel like the AFC is crazy. Now the, the looking at all these rosters and the other players on other teams and now the jets, I mean, the talk about the dolphins, it's a little scary out there. So I feel like it is a bit of an arms race. I'm curious to see how the season will pan out. And I, I, I have high expectations once again for this Bills team. I think we all do, but I know that it's going to take Ken Dorsey taking another step as well. What will that offense continue to be? So I can see why there's a, that spectrum and that fluctuation between the two rankings because there are a lot of question marks on this Bills team and will things continue to pan out and continue to get better? We don't know that yet. I think it's... It, oh, go ahead, Sal. No, I wonder though, is that... A lot of it is what you said, Jenna, which is the rest of the AFC has gotten better, right? So it's yeah. easy to say and look at it that way. How much of it is it that the Bills really haven't? Because if you look, and I did a, a chart the other day, Matt, of players in versus players out. There's a serious argument to be made. They're better on paper right now yes. than they were other than age, right? Especially health, they will be better. But there's an argument there. So I wonder how much of it is people just kind of thinking, hey, the Bills are eventually going to do this. But look at the AFC versus, hey, I actually don't think they're as good. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think that they got a little bit better this year and they just did it in a different way than they did last season. Last year, they got better because they made this one really big splash and they went out and signed Von Miller. And then after that, it was a couple just like, I don't want to say replacement level players, but depth guys who really did not play that much this year. They added a lot of guys who I think are going to make an impact. Leonard Floyd, Connor McGovern, Puna Ford, Trent Shurfields. Like the list goes, uh, Damian Harris. Like they added guys who I think will get notable playing time this upcoming season. You lose Tremaine Edmonds. So I think you take a little bit of a step back there. I think the whole like, are they closer to three? Are they closer to 20 thing? I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think they're top 10, but closer to 10 than they are to one. I don't even think they're the best roster in the AFC East. I think the Dolphins have a better roster than the Bills do top to bottom. But, wow. but 
the Bills have the best player in the division at the most important position in all of pro sports. So I would rather have a team like the Bills roster than the Dolphins roster because you have Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Like I think back to all of those teams that the Patriots, they were incredible. Like there were years when the Patriots had really good rosters and there were Patriot years when the Patriots had pretty good. Okay. Rosters, but they always had Tom Brady. And that's one of the reasons why they were always competitive. I think like Jenna said, for as long as the bills have Josh Allen, they will be a threat to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I think the gap has closed a little bit with some of the other teams in the AFC East. Like I think Miami, especially like, defensively I think their roster has always been talented but they just weren't being led in the right direction and now you get Vic Fangio I think that's a bigger addition than Jalen Ramsey is I think Vic Fangio will make a really big difference for that team so you look at them on defense and then you look at the Bills and the Dolphins have some really young young players who are going to make big impacts this year and then offensively obviously they've got Tyree Kill they've got Jalen Waddle maybe they end up getting Delvin Cook but the Bills have Josh Allen the Bills still have the best player and that's why they're still the favorite to win the AFC East, and they're still one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. What do you think about that statement, Jenna? The Dolphins have a better roster top to bottom. I don't agree, Matt. I would say that if they, if you went 22 for 22, I could maybe. I should have probably. Go Dolphins. I should have probably said that. There's no way to me. I should have probably said starters. Because now that I'm thinking about it more, the Bills have exceptional depth. And right. I know that that's really, really important. I guess yeah. if you're just looking at your 11 starters on offense and your 11 starters on defense. So I, I misspoke a little bit. I do think I the Dolphins you. might have better starters. The Bills have an all around better roster, though. But I hear what you're saying, Matt. Like, I think there's absolutely the argument for that case. The the thing that works out best for the Bills is they have their guy mm-hmm. at quarterback. There are no questions about it. There's no, okay, you know, Allen, I mean, even with the injury last year, things weren't going his way. You know, you saw him put the team on his back and all of those things in various spots. So I, I hear what you're saying in terms of it's getting – before, a couple of years ago, it was like, this is the Bills division. If 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 they don't win it, something went terribly awry. Now it's like, look, this should be the Bills division, but you can you can make a case absolutely for why the Dolphins could win it or why the Jets could win it, and that's where it, it becomes different in this season. But I, I hear you. I mean, what's like the joke? Like I feel like for friends, it's like they talk about like a dude-off between teams in terms of can you list the star players on this team? And I could totally get why on the Dolphins you're listing all these players and maybe, you know, the voices outside of Buffalo, fans outside of Buffalo, you know, you have Allen, you have Diggs, and you have Von Miller. But after that, it's like, okay, like some of these other guys maybe aren't as familiar. But look, I am excited to see what this season and how it unfolds because the level of competition in the AFC East yeah. is at a level we have not seen in quite some time. No doubt about it. Um, when you look at this roster overall for the bills, obviously they have some, every team, I say this all the time, guys, I say what, what fans generally do is they focus so much on their team and they pick apart all these little things. They don't realize that every team has problems. Every team has holes. Every team has questions. You have to look at every team very critically. But when you do look at this roster, Jenna, is there an area where you have a little bit more of a question and you say, you know what? I don't know what they're going to do there. I need to see what that's going to look like. Maybe right now I could pick out that that's the weakest part of the, of the roster. I'm just curious to see in terms of middle linebacker, like Tremaine Edmonds, obviously the talent that he was, you know, him now leaving and the hole that that kind of opens up and, 
being the quarterback of the defense, you know, do you go with the rookies? Is it, or is it Terrell Bernard or is it Tyrell Dotson? Or, you know, I, I'm, I think that will be, you know, worked out early on in camp. Like I could see guys taking, you know, one day it's one player, maybe another, I think they want to preferably give it to a younger guy and have him develop into that. Um, but that's something to me where that's a big piece of the defense. And I think when you look around the other parts of the defense, you're like, okay, you know, you have Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer coming back. These other spots, Tredavious White should be hopefully at the level that we've seen him be. Can Kair Elam, you know, Christian Benford, what will that, or Dane Jackson, what will that look like? Um, but to me, it's like middle linebacker is just a spot where when you look at the defense, that to me is what will that be? Because that is, something that has a massive impact and Tremaine Edmonds, whether you loved him or hated him, he played his role and did his job in Buffalo. Yeah, I get it. He's a super rangy guy. First round pick. You wanted him to make those huge plays. Um, but will the bills be missing him this upcoming season? Who will step into that role? That to me on defense is just someone that I'm like, or a spot where I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I, I want to see how it plays out. And I think we'll know early on in camp, and get a good feel of where that position will go from there. Yeah, I mean, I could see every one of these guys getting a shot in each preseason game. I could almost see, Matt, like you could have three preseason games they're going to have, and you could have Dodson start one, and Bernard start another, and Dorian Williams start another. I, I think this is going to be a long play. We might not know who's starting there literally until they run out in the field against the Jets. And if anybody thinks that's crazy, that's what happened last year at corner, guys. I mean, yeah. we didn't know who was starting against the Rams, and it was Christian Benford over Kyrie Elam. We had no idea until game time. Yeah, you kind of set me up for it, though. I think that middle linebacker is going to be the thing that's talked about the most, and rightfully so, because Tremaine Edmonds was such a name and because there are a lot of questions. And like you said, this could play out all the way through the preseason, and we might not know until week one. I'm a little bit more concerned about the corners, though, than I am actually about the linebackers, just because I know Tredavious White looked a little bit better as the season went along last year, but he still never to me looked like fully healthy Trey white. And I know that injuries, especially in his position, take a little bit longer of a time to come back from, but it's not just him. It's him. And it's Kyrie Elam is Kyrie Elam ready to take the next step? Because if he doesn't win the job, it'll be a disappointment. Even though you like Christian Benford and you like Dane Jackson, like, those if those are good options in case of emergency, in case you have to break glass and somebody gets injured. But if you roll out into the season with Tredavious White and some questions with him, and then either Christian Benford or Dane Jackson, I think you still have questions as the position at a whole. And then you have a lot of questions about the guy you used a first round pick on last year. And I even thought when he played, he looked pretty good last year. So I don't get the hesitation for Kair Elam to ultimately go and win the job, but it feels like there is still some hesitation there from like talking to the coaches during the spring and like these workouts. It's like, yeah, this is very much still a competition, which is weird to me. I don't exactly get why. And that's why I just feel a little bit uneasy about that particular position and really the group as a whole. I guess I don't feel the same way. I mean, I hear you because you're like, who is this – who is the starter opposite Trey White? We're just plugging in Trey White and thinking that he's going mm -hmm. to be at a level that is advanced from where he was last season, dictated by the injury. But I feel like I feel like they loved Christian Benford, which I hear you. It is kind of an indictment on what they saw from Kyrie Elam, considering Benford's what a sixth round pick. Um, 
But I feel like there's two good options there. And I think the way Kyir Elam was playing at the end of the season left a lot of signs of success. And hopefully he can build off of that heading into the year. I guess I don't, I feel like this Bills team is built kind of back to front. And I, I, I feel like I have faith that Elam or Benford will figure it out. Will that put a lot of pressure if it's Benford that's the starter and Elam kind of trails off? Absolutely, <laughs> considering all the assets and capital, draft capital you used on Kair Elam. Um, but I feel like what Elam did at the end of last year, I have faith that either if it's Benford or it's Elam, that level will be at a top-tier type of play level. I think they, they were – they weren't expecting Christian Benford to just be as good as he was barring before the injuries. You know, what's funny is you, both of you were talking about this. I think Dane Jackson starts opening week. No way. Okay. That's really interesting. Though. Really? Yes. I don't really. Oh, I, I, I think there is a, there is so much circumstantial evidence about what this team feels about Dane Jackson and what they feel about the guys they trust and where they are right now. And Sean McDermott, now the new play caller, I don't think they've shown any evidence that they completely trust Kyer Elam. Now, I could see Elam or Benford absolutely winning the job by the end. There's no doubt. But mm -hmm. right now, like you tell me, who who's the starter there? Who do you see? I think it's the guy they trusted. I think it's the guy that was corner one to start last year while the other two were battling out for corner number two. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Dane Jackson. I, I think I might put him fourth on the list, which probably I'm in the minority on. I think oh, it would wait, go. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me ask this. This isn't a question of how you feel. It's what we think the staff will do. Right. And you well, think fourth. You're right about the staff point, but I don't know how much was influenced by Leslie Frazier and how much of that mirrors Sean McDermott. Now I'm sure that Sean had a very big say, if not the final decision, even when Leslie was here, but Maybe Leslie was the guy banging the drum for Dane Jackson. We don't know the answer to that. And That's we right. won't know the answer to that until they roll out whatever their starters are. Or honestly, we'll probably get a good gauge once the preseason gets here if like Dane doesn't play. Like if Dane is one of those guys yeah. in the vet group that's just not active at all, then right. it might be like, okay, they're ready to roll with Trey and Dane. I think Dane Jackson is a very serviceable player but in my opinion, just from what we've seen the last couple of years, I do not think he has the upside that either Elam or Benford even has. And I think right now, with the roster that you've built, you need to be getting the upside and not the safer bet. Okay, wait, Jen, I want you to chime in on this because I want to be clear here. I don't disagree with you, Matt. I'm just telling you what I think they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, I don't disagree with everything you just said. If it's up to me, I'm going with the upside. You drafted Kyrie. Christian Benford showed you a lot. I just, Jenna, don't think the staff is going to do that. I think Sean McDermott likes the guys that he knows and trusts, and that's been Dane Jackson. I think last year it made sense with Dane filling in for Trey because he had been in the system. It was a guy that kind of had more – he had more experience. These guys were rookies coming in. But I feel like after last year playing, getting to see the field, I feel like that level of trust, it's got to be higher, right? Like for Kyrie and Christian Benford. So that's why when you look at the intangibles, and I, I, I agree with you, Matt, like the ceiling is just different for Benford and Kyrie. Um, so that is the upside. I think I think it's going to take time for you to feel comfortable having one of those guys be the starter over Dane. But I think at the same point, that's something you're okay with in the beginning of earning that trust because just what the potential is, is so much greater for them. Maybe I'm naive to this, and I would like to think 
Sean McDermott, I have said on the podcast several times, I think Sean McDermott taking over the defense might unlock a new level of potential that the entire group has not reached. I think they've gotten a little stagnant. I think they've been good and they've been consistent, but they haven't played to their full potential the last couple of years. And in my mind, I would like to think that the defense going into this year, not just from personnel standpoint, but just from like a how you approach a game plan standpoint is going to look a lot different. Like, I mm-hmm. think that this year should be about, like, whatever we've done in the past that has worked, screw it. Like, we need to figure it. out something this year that is going to put us over the top. We need to be able to – because, yeah. I mean, quite frankly, there's kind of a sour taste left in the mouth of every Bills fan who watched the playoff game against Cincinnati in the first half when they were just getting torched defensively. Yeah. They did not lose that game because – of just their defense their offense scored 10 points they lost that game because of everything they just got outplayed on both sides of the ball and they got out coached but for sean mcdermott who has always hung his hat on defense i think he looks at that game and he looks at some of the struggles they had in the second half of last season and is like okay we need to be different and i think the personnel moves that they've added this year kind of show that like adding taylor rapp that guy did not come here to just be a backup. Yep. Adding Leonard Floyd, even though you're probably pretty confident that Von Miller will be back relatively soon because you want to have a rotation of him, of Rousseau, of Miller, and going out and adding Puna Ford because you realized in that game, you got taken advantage of because Daquan Jones didn't play. And like, if Daquan Jones is the reason why you're losing a playoff game, like, like that's a problem. And he wasn't the only reason but he certainly was a big reason. So I think their whole philosophy on defense is going to be different this year. And I think that starts with Sean McDermott kind of taking over. And that circles us all the way back to what Jenna said about middle linebacker. I'm really interested too, Jenna, like what they envision there going from a guy like Tremaine. It's I, I keep hearing the words matchup linebacker, right? Like more guys like Matt Milano. You could have like three Matt Milano's on the field, essentially like guys like that. And, not to take anything away, Matt Milano's an all-pro, but yeah. you know maybe they're going to go in a different philosophy. Maybe we see Taron Johnson come off the field, put another linebacker on the field who can cover, and another linebacker on the field as well. Maybe that's the kind of thing we see. Taylor Rapp, three safeties. I'm, I'm definitely interested, but I'm also interested in your thoughts on the offense since we haven't really talked about that. So let's do that, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, and Jenna Cottrell joining us from 13 Wham in Rochester. Jenna, you get the same things we do. Why are you guys always talking about Stefan Diggs? Why does the media have to hammer it? Well, guess what? We're going to talk about Stefan Diggs since we have you for a minute. Um, just how did everything sit with you? What went down? And do you think there's any concern going forward for Bills fans with Stefan Diggs and the entire situation? Um, I think the way everything went down in the moment, uh, it was it was bizarre. Like it was very weird and you know, hearing that he had been at the facility earlier and then the way McDermott handled things was just very odd. But, you know, the when we talked to Josh Allen and Von Miller and the players after the like, look, it's it's early. We're it's June. It's June. This will get resolved. We don't have a game tomorrow. And I heard that, but it's it's two sides of the coin where I'm like, it is June. There is time for this to be resolved, all this stuff. But my thought is the lingering issue. And will that continue to rear its ugly head down the line? And I think that's a question we don't know the answer to. Now, I I think I'm sure Stefan Diggs had some very valid points. When you look at the way the offense played in the second half of last season, there were a lot, there was a lot to be left desired. Um, But I'm, I'm curious when we move forward, what it will be like 
what that relationship will be like between Diggs and Allen. Will there be an emphasis of, you know, getting him the ball more? I mean, look, he's wide receiver one. That's obviously something that's high on the list of priorities anyways. My fear is that when things don't go awry, will this happen again? But we don't know. I think it opened up the, in the words of Sean McDermott, a spot for some honest conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for any organization. And I, I worry that it could hang over this season, but I think we'll know, you know, how things go when we get there type of thing. I don't know, Matt, I don't know how you feel about it, but I have siblings. We fight all the time. And then sometimes you have a fight where you're like, it lingers a little bit. You're like, are we good? You say we're good, but are we good? Yeah, but those fights don't linger from January until June or whatever it was for the Bills with Stefan. I I think it's overblown. I think it's a talking point because there's nothing else going on right now on the NFL calendar. You don't worry down the line if if Diggs isn't getting targets or if the offense isn't working or things like that. You don't worry about it becoming a bigger issue. Yeah, I think it might, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you can, I guess, be worried about something that may or may not happen, right? Like, it's well, like, it, could, it could derail a, another championship caliber season if it does, Matt. That's why it's got to be thought about, right? Yeah, but there's like a million things that could derail another championship caliber season. Yeah, but you know injuries and things like that. This is something that kind of is surprising considering we haven't really seen that this under a Sean McDermott-led team. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I think it's like it's relevant. Like it's definitely something I don't like when people say this is only a story because the media is making it a story. Like I think that's ridiculous. Like clearly it is something that is relevant. And it was the biggest story during that last week, the first week of mandatory minicamp, especially when he didn't show up. That really surprised me. We said on the podcast, we thought he would be there for day one of mandatory minicamp. Mm-hmm. And then when he was not, that really threw me off. And then all of the backtracking from McDermott, I feel like the whole thing could have been handled differently and could have been handled better. But him coming the second day of mandatory minicamp, to me, kind of was like, okay, like, I think it's going to be good until it's not. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm more concerned that this is going to become a problem because of what happened the last few weeks. I don't know if that's how I would put it. I just feel like it's it's there in the back of my mind. I don't think it's it's not at the front of my mind, but there is there is that right. fear. And I feel like for a lot of Bills fans, that might live in the back of their mind of like, all right, if things are kind of starting to not go as well, will this present itself once again? So the scenario is like, let's say they're, they're three and one. They lose a game. They go three and two. I don't even know the schedule to say like who that would be against offhand. But my point is all of a sudden they're three and two. He gets three targets for 60 yards. And is he going to be like, Hey, or 40 yards. He'd be like, Hey, what's going on? Like, aren't we all going to be thinking, what is he thinking? Because part of this is Jenna. Let's go back to the fact that we have no stinking clue what he's upset about because he hasn't yeah. talked to us. Right. How important is that to hear from Stefan Diggs as early as possible at camp? I think a thousand percent. We've heard from Sean. We've heard from Josh. We've heard from Von Miller. We've heard from all these guys. Like I do want to hear from Steph. Yeah. Cause I think there is probably some very valid points to what he's frustrated with. Maybe it wasn't handled in the way that I would handle it. But at the same point, I think that it's worth hearing what is going on from his point of view. That's why I, I am curious when he will talk uh, at the end of last season. I feel like, we really didn't get the chance or the opportunity to talk with him much in terms of the media. Uh, and I feel like, like we've talked about, this has been building for quite some time. 
I feel like it's in a better spot now. I don't expect this when Diggs does talk to blow everything back and, you know, have to start over and the Bills kind of have to mend that relationship once again. But I would love to hear what he has to say because he is a leader on that team. And he has an opinion that a lot of people in that locker room really pay attention to. Yeah, but if he talks, do we actually think he says anything? I feel like Diggs is very candid. I feel like Diggs can be very candid. I think he'll dodge. I think he'll dodge this particular issue as general as possible. But I agree, Jenna. He's generally very candid. Like he's a really good interview and thoughtful. But Matt, I don't think he's going to give. I agree. I don't think he's going to give much on this. But we got to hear from you. Still, we still have to though. Yeah, I, I think it's it's just wrong for him to. Here, here, here's the way I look at it. Stefan Diggs can be in control of ending this thing. Yeah. He, he can do that. Jenna, we just talked about how are we going to be thinking during week three, four, five, he's not getting targets. They lose a game. What's he thinking? He can put all that to rest once he talks to us. Yeah. He should have already talked, and it would have put it to rest for a lot of this period in between minicamp and training camp. Yep. Right. If he would have if he would have talked right after Josh and been like, listen, guys, we had conversations that were sometimes difficult to have. We're on the same page now. We're just trying to win a Super Bowl. Sometimes roads get bumpy. And you know what? We're going to be better because of this. Like he could have literally said that like 20 second thing that I just said. And probably these conversations, they still happen, but they are much more like few and far between. You should that is why I have the fear, though, of this coming back. Because it's taken so long to be resolved. It's still, I mean, we're, t- we're t- it's about to be July and we're still talking about this because we have not heard from Diggs. And I don't know how in-depth he will go. I agree. I think he'll probably do company line, you know, all those things, which I totally understand. But until we hear from him and, and he has the, he can be candid. I, I feel like that to me is, it's still going to be talked about because I think it needs to be. But I think... And I, I want this is my last point that I want to make on this. Okay. What if That's he's such a right? bad statement? <laughs> uh, well, I'm leaning, I'm leaning it. To, I'm leaning it. I'm wearing my New Balances right now. Um, what if he's right? Like, I don't think that's something that we've talked about. I don't think that's something, not necessarily like us collectively, but I think a lot of people have been like, why is Diggs throwing a fit? Why is he not showing up? Like, what if his points are valid? And I think they very well might be. And then when we talk about like, well, could this blow up again down the road? Well, if his points are right, then they better be addressed and they better get better or else they've got a lot more problems that they've got to figure out. And that's kind of like the approach that I have of like, if this is really, if this is a performance thing and being like, why the hell in the biggest games am I not getting targeted and our team's just able to take me out of the picture? Like that is a very valid point of concern. The Bills are the best offense they can be when Stefan Diggs is getting nine catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. They just are. And if that's what this is about, then I'm glad he's making a stink because I think they'll be better because of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I just think sometimes the way it's handled and the way it played out so publicly is the reason for concern. I think he absolutely has. You look at the Bills offense from last season. There are very valid concerns about all that. The worry is that it becomes and spills over into the public sphere. And then it's like, then at that point, it can be a distraction. It can be something that weighs on this team. It can have a mental approach and effect on this group moving forward. If he speaks and tells us exactly what's on his mind, which you're what's been bothering him, which I doubt he will. And collectively people are like, oh my God, he's so right. It becomes less a Stefan Diggs thing than it becomes a Bills thing. It becomes a Sean McDermott thing. It becomes a Josh Allen thing. And that's kind of what last, you know, two weeks ago became right from Tuesday to Wednesday. 
it was shifted from this is all about Stefan Diggs to it's all about Sean McDermott. And I always thought that was weird because I'm like, we still don't know what Diggs is mad about. And yet everyone's making this a Sean McDermott story and how he handled it. And I don't think that was really where it should have gone, but where it went because of how it was handled. But it's a, it's a, it's a great discussion. We'll find out in less than a month, hopefully when they return to the field at St. John Fisher university, close to where you are 13 wham in Rochester. How cool is it Jetta to have the bills back at St. John Fisher university for you guys? I love it. I love the access that fans have, you know, getting to be in Rochester. There's so many Bills fans here and just getting to see the community celebrate the team being in our area, getting uh, a look for younger fans as well to have the opportunity to be that close. It's just a win-win. I know it's a far trip for you guys. I know you have to live in the I dorm. Don't mind at all. I I mean, I like dorming it and hanging out with you guys. <laughs> I give you credit then. I don't know how I'd feel about sleeping in a dorm, um, but I think it's a really cool opportunity. And I love that the team's coming back. And I know it means a whole hell of a lot to Rochester too. Sal, do you remember last year going to Walmart because we didn't bring sheets yes. for our mats? And oh, wait, the wait, wait, dorm? Wait. You didn't bring sheets, pal. Oh, was it just me? No, it was, it was me and Perino. And Perino. I, it I was brought me and sheets. Perino. Oh, yeah. like, I got, I got the fridge. I got the coffee maker. I ain't forgetting sheets. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't bring – I normally – Jenna, you ever like, need coffee in the morning? I got you covered. Just let me know. Good to know, I, honestly. I normally just bring, like, two blankets, and I put one of them down as, like, the sheet, and then I put the other one down as just, like, I'm only there for five, six days. Why am I Ooh, buying okay. sheets? But then last year I was like, wow, I, I really need to change this up. So the one day we went to dinner, and then we went to Walmart and yes. bought sheets. And, yeah, that. that was – that made the the nights a little bit more comfortable, but I think like it's weird because this will be the first training camp as a dad, so mm -hmm. I don't think I'll be there as much. But at the same time, it might be nice to not hear a screaming baby in the middle of the night. So I guess I'll like there's some some bright spots here. <laughs> As the veteran, uh, more of I know you guys have been part of many training camps, but I've just learned over the years as we've had to go out to Rochester and stay there, uh, Jenna. Yes, I, I it used to be the TV, but now everything's streamed, so I don't bring a TV anymore. Um, you could just put that right on your computer, but yeah, coffee maker, mini fridge, and I take the two single beds and I push them together to make one big bed. There's a little crack in the middle, of course, yeah. but it's so much easier just to sprawl out at night and be able to you know yeah. sleep that way, so you know. You just make down pat. I like it. No, it's um, nice for me because during the season we drive like an hour. 20, yeah, you do. Which is fine. I don't mind. I Dan Fates and myself will drive down there. We'll listen to a podcast. We'll chat. We'll figure out our plan for the day. There you go. But yeah, having the seven minute drive is pretty pretty. Sweet. I got a couple of questions for you before you head on out, Jen. Uh, Jenna, and uh, we appreciate you joining us, Jenna Cottrell here. Cottrell, see, Cot I was. This is my question. Yeah. Obviously, you have the same last name as a former Bills. A very well-known coach. Yeah. Ed Cottrell. It's spelled the same, but pronounced different. And I know, I think you've met him, right? You've talked to him about this? I met him on a podcast, actually. So I haven't oh. met him in person, but we've met over a podcast. Yeah. It's so funny because I guess there's a lot of Cottrells or Cottrells in the area of Western New York. Like my parents are from Massachusetts and I don't, I'm not from Western New York. So uh, like I'm not related to any of them, but it is interesting because it's not really a common last name and everyone pronounces my last name wrong, which is totally fair. And it does not bother me at all. So don't worry about it. Yeah. I, um, I don't think there's, I'm thinking of, there's no Bovees like in the, in the sports sphere in Buffalo that you'd have to meet or anything. Right, Matt. I don't think so. Um, 
There is a guy, so my dad's Jim Beauvais, and there's another Jim Beauvais, I guess, in West Seneca. And for a little while, I think they got each other's mail. So they didn't know oh, each other. They didn't okay. know each other. Like, they're not related, and they didn't know each other. So somehow they connected and, like, would have to trade mail with each other. So that Jim Beauvais was getting our mail and other Jim Beauvais. Yeah, no, no other Beauvais that I can think of. Like, but it's a super rare name. So usually, like, when yeah. somebody says it, I'm almost immediately related to that person. I might not know. I might not know exactly how, but if somebody's like, "Oh, are you related to this person in East Aurora?" Like, I might not know who it is, but chances are I'm related to him. Jenna, behind you, pick one or two things to tell us about. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Uh, I have a lot to choose from, honestly. By the way, if you're listening to this, this does not do it justice. Jenna is. Um, Obviously, on video on the stream, she's got some um, items and some Aww. pictures, and now she's showing one. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is a picture of my grandparents. Love it. On their wedding day, before their wedding ceremony. Um, my grandpa's 98. I'm actually going wow. to visit him this upcoming week. My grandmother passed away in the fall, but they were married for 65-plus years. That's amazing. And, like, it just – the sweetest, my grandma, very sassy. I love her. She stood up for herself. She raised four kids. She was just the matriarch of our family. And then my grandfather actually sends notes to us every, he'll send a letter and on a typewriter every week and cut out the comet, comet, comics section for each of his 12 wow. grandkids and sends it out. And he has like all these retro stamps that he sends on it. I wish I had one behind me or something i don't but like just the best um so there's that they're just they're just great people and then um i'm trying to think there's there's a lot here yeah you know what i have one of these and i have it on as well but yes. it's something that so buffalo plus is our youtube channel sal i know you're on youtube as well great um, chance to promote it by the way if you want go ahead Oh, so we have um, Buffalo Plus, which is just our YouTube channel, um, but it's Mike Catalana um, and myself and Dan Fates. Yeah, Beauvais has a hat as well. Um, we're always talking bills there. It's just a really good time. It's really fun, pretty laid back and casual. Um, but it's something that uh, I had always wanted to do a YouTube channel, and I was just too scared to do it. And um, Mike and Dan bought into my weird idea, and it's now been about almost three years that we've been doing it and it's just really fun. And honestly, I'm really, I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes, but I'm also really proud of myself because I never thought that this idea would kind of turn into what it has become. So I just, yeah, it means awesome. a lot to me. It's good for you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we, I'm glad that you were able to share those things. Yeah, thank us. you. My, my nine-year-old has a YouTube channel too, by the way, it's because he's a Josh Allen fan. It's Alan underscore prods with a Z. <laughs> Alan prods like productions. Maybe I don't oh, know. Oh, oh. Alan underscore prods with nice. a Z 17. And yeah, I, I, you know, he's, he's the same way. It's like he wants a YouTube channel. I think that's the thing, right? When I was growing up, there's no YouTube channel. I'm older now, but now it's like, I got to do this thing because it's part of my job. I don't mind, <laughs> but it wasn't like a career goal when I was younger because I didn't have any of that. I hear you. I, I loved YouTube because, you know, I work at channel 13 in Rochester. It's the ABC affiliate and similar yeah. to Beauvais who works at the ABC affiliate in Buffalo. Like TV is great. It's really fun, but it's very, you know, you have two minutes here, which is a lot. You have three minutes here. You have 30 seconds here. And I always felt like for Bill's fans, like we, 
learned so much at practice. We have so much to talk about. Like I, I wanted a platform where we could talk more and have more in-depth conversations about the bills. And so it worked out well starting the YouTube channel, but I'm also on YouTube all the time. I love watching cooking videos and just things like that, like dumb sports videos. Um, so I just, I was already on there. So I was like, might as well just start. I have a solution for you, by the way, for, for what you did, the problem you just said. What? Go into radio. I got to talk for three hours a day, four hours a day sometimes. <laughs> See, but I myself. like it because it can be as long or as short as I want to talk. That's right. Like that's that the thing. Exactly sometimes, right. sometimes I'm like, I don't like two minutes is too short, but doing three hours of radio, I don't know how you do it. I don't like, I, I can't talk that much. I really can't personally. Yeah, you can. I mean, yeah, I you do, might not. I yeah. I would because you have to, but I don't know. I will yeah. tell you this, Matt, Matt I'm going to say this to, to both you guys. I know Jenna's here. I'm not doing this just to make Jenna feel good or cause she's here. I've said this to her and it's true. Jenna's been a guest of mine on my radio show a few times. She's great as a guest. She's a yeah. great guest. I think you could easily do radio, Jenna, if you wanted to. I think you'd be very good at this medium. Thank you. Honestly, I like the dress code a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm love more it. of a hat and t-shirt kind of gal anyways. <laughs> Sometimes for TV, it's like, all right, we're putting on a dress. It's just heels. It's just a lot. But yes, I, I appreciate that. She's a better talker than that other guy she works with, Mike Canelana. He's just oh, he he doesn't he doesn't talk that guy. It's like trying He's to get so quiet. Try, you can't try it. trying to get anything out of him is impossible. Oh my gosh. When we drive up to Buffalo or drive over to Buffalo, it's like I said, an hour twenty. I will ask about six questions on that drive, and Mike will talk the entire way. So doesn't what do you think? How do you feel? Like just these questions, yeah. like what he expects for the day. And he is, he's off and running. He's full pontification mode all the time. That's why we uh, love him. All right. <laughs> and, um, and all right. So last question, this is for both of you. Um, the NHL draft was on Wednesday night. I'm watching it. And yeah. now look, I am, I just turned 50. All right. I'm youthful. Got my son. We, we hang out all the time. Like I try not to be my age, act my age. I say that because I think 50 sounds old. You're both a lot younger than me. However, some of these kids drafted look like they could be your kids. Yeah. I mean, when you watch it, aren't you thinking that like, oh my God, how old am I? Yeah. Well, I'm just like, wow, it's crazy how fast things kind of turn. Cause when I first started covering the bills, I was about as old as some of these kids. And then it's like, whoa, yeah. Some of them I saw like, I mean, some of the bills players that'll have in on tryouts, like they'll have braces yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you know what you know what year Zach Benson was born? I don't, he's, 18. I think I do. Is it 2005? 2005. Wow. Think That's about wild. that. Like that to me is banana. I remember 2005. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like I remember actually 2005, 2006 was like the best year of Buffalo sports in a lot. Well, at least for the Sabres in like a long, long time. So I vividly remember 2000. You talk about YouTube. The 2005-2006 Buffalo Sabres has probably been searched on my YouTube more than literally anything else. And that dude was born as they were losing in the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. It's it is weird. It is I had crazy. been married for two years when he was born. In 2005? Wow. Yeah. Got married in 03. Just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Well, congratulations. congratulations. In 2005, I was in seventh grade. Let's say my, my brother and sister were about to graduate high school. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So, ago. so we got old. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Didn't want to No, it is really end uh, making everybody feel bad or anything. I just thought it was incredible watching it and going, Oh my God, these guys, 
And then I'm, I'm sitting here on this podcast and with two, two uh, younger people in this medium, still having a good time, but I'm thinking, geez, you know, you watch these guys up there, they go on the stage, these kids, they're just so young and they're about to start these NHL careers. And it's kind of wild just to, to think about that. And it is cool, by the way, one of the reasons I watch, and I'm sure you guys are the same way in some, in some realm, but you know, Matt, you're a, a new parent. I know Jenna, you don't have any kids, but you know, when you see the parents in the crowd crying after they, their oh. kids get drafted, that was yeah. amazing to me. So watching some of that. I'm a softie, so yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely concerned for when I do have children because I feel like I'll just be weeping at everything. <laughs> but yeah. all the all the cute stuff. I mean, I can't even imagine seeing if you're a parent, seeing your kids succeed in a way that it means so much to them and to have the I mean, being a professional athlete, I Right. It's just amazing. Honestly, well, any parent being proud of their kid makes me want to cry. <laughs> last two weeks, um, Max did Dawson Knox's camp out at Nazareth College, where yeah. you are out there in Rochester, and then Jim Kelly's camp last week here in Buffalo. And cool. it's just amazing watching, you know, all the kids do all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're just so proud and, you know, watching them throw the ball and learn how to play quarterback a little bit. And, you know, Jim's out there and all, all, the, uh, all the coaches. So that's very cool. Have you guys – real quick, I will make this the last one. We'll end on this. <laughs> Any camps that you guys went to when you were younger, like that stood out to you, like sports camps? I went to a soccer camp at St. Lawrence University, and I wow. was convinced that I was going to be Abby Wambach. Like, yes. I was like, it's it. I'm tall. She's tall. Like, like <laughs> it's, a, it's a done deal. No, but I always loved I, – I didn't go to, like, sleepaway camp. Like, 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 I know some people go for the whole summer, stuff like that. It was like a two-week camp, but – it was just really fun. I just, I always, again, I never knew I would do this job. I just always yeah. loved sports. I just, the camaraderie, what it means, just, I don't know. I just, I, I love it. So that was always, soccer camp was always really fun. For me, it was my, one of my like favorite jobs I've ever had. I was a camp counselor for a oh small, gosh, for, a, for a small town in uh, Niagara County called the town of Cambria. Nice. And that was be the best. <laughs> I was, I was the best camp counselor, like me and my, <laughs> me and my other buddy, Mike Hardy. So we grew up together and this camp ranged from like kids, like five years old to kids, 14 years old. So we always got just like the four, the 13 and 14 year old guys who were like middle school kids. Kids, and we had just graduated high school and we just treated them like they were our friends. We just like, you know, made sure we didn't use like bad language and stuff, but we would like play dodgeball against them and like try and hit them in the face. And we would like try and beat them. And so it was so much fun. And they loved hanging out with us because they were like, oh my God, these guys are like so cool. We weren't, we were just like closest to them in age. And that was, that was the best summer job because it was right when school ended. And then it went through the summer and there were two field trips every week. There was one field trip to Fort Niagara every single week to do a swim yeah. day. And then there was another field trip to like some random part of Western New York. Actually, we once went to the Strong Museum in Rochester oh, yeah. and, a kid, and a kid went to get an ice cream cone as the bus was leaving. And we didn't realize that he was not on the bus oh <laughs> until we were like 30 minutes down the 90. So he was with his grandma. So like it was okay. Oh, okay. We had a turn and I was not in charge. So like this doesn't fall on me. But yeah, yeah we realized in like Batavia that the kid wasn't on the bus and we had to turn around and go get him. So then I had to call into my shift at the gap at the outlet mall and tell him I was, tell him I was going to be late because we forgot a kid. 
Well, you just gave me an idea for the next podcast, Matt. It is going to be best and worst summer jobs that we've had uh, throughout our life. We'll do that. But in the meantime, Jenna, I told you like 40 minutes. We've been here for 56 minutes. I'm sorry. It's okay. Sorry so I'm off today. It doesn't matter. Well, well, well you, you you weren't off today. You did a great job here on this podcast with us. We Thank appreciate you. it. One more time. Tell everybody where they can find you and all your work. Uh, yeah. If, you, if you're in Rochester, it's Channel 13, uh, 13 We Have ABC. And then if you're a Bills fan, just check out Buffalo Plus on YouTube. And you can also find me on Twitter at Jenna Cottrell, C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L is my handle. We want to thank Lucas Buckley. Always doing a great job. Yes, thank you to Lucas. This uh, video and audio podcast at Cell Sports on YouTube, Odyssey, uh, Odyssey app, WGR 550, and of course, iTunes and Spotify. And Matt, of course, just really thinking about your dad, man. We really want him to, yeah. you know, be better. And um, sounds like that's happening. So we're, th- we're going to be thinking about you and your family. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll bring a Bluetooth speaker to the hospital and he can throw on the latest episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo and hear about how his son forgot a kid in Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody.